Bossi legania chese kalo, Doktor avdruse mede shraba fanort, az legan in ksifka. Novaden se shtet legani lignuni. Notadose vasumonsah bayadru fununz, vasmir alizane zahindir hashvi, fundimaltni revn, was kolas wie gewiewen gotcha film hat das nicht verdient und hat das nicht ist gehorwit nur war denn de ganze gewiewist is war das der schwi hat na fuß darum gelegt mir so mam schür sein mir chi Hold me the halote di chvivis, ibn heri biamine bagole di dan, ulamata masorot fochim, zomir alle zechizai. Zachzerit nireben, nozon zaris nemen von kolus arufni vagashmi, und bringen uns zu der gila schleimer bim heri biamine. Also pflegen morgen nach sidim sollen allein tot, nicht verlosen zachafen reben. Alachas kamen wir kamen wir zwanzig Männer zu wegen Arabis an Edem, das nicht legt sich in Fegelach in Busim, und in Mentir legt auf mir Arribel, sein Tirale frei, und konnte sich dann was er will, mir nicht was er will, hat sich schon im Dorim, was er was in dem Motorim. Da dann sich machen ein Gutai mit einem ruhigen Leben, und er hat sich in sich lieb meinen, was er sein, er hat sich in Horven, und er hat sich auf den Alignionen, und jeder Tag wegen Tages Gachni, wie Tages Tinossi, und sich dann was er will, so hat sich ein kleines Fegelach in Busim, keinen Ende von nach dem Tag, auf der alle Schlichtsten, was er hat gegeben, Wir können den Tag nicht versprochen, keine Arbeit. Wir können arbeiten Mittag zusammen. Wir können auch mit etwas helfen, was wir den Kindern nicht helfen, nicht nachhelfen. Aber das Tadischlich ist, was der Rebbe gegeben hat, jeder von uns. Da fährt Peel Mamesh, alle mit Kaim sein, mit seiner Machevri, mit seiner Shasagidin von Guf, mit seiner Machevri, mit seiner Shasagidin von der Nishome. Und sie sagt nicht, da fährt mich zu verlassen, warum das Ayinim, was auch über die Schamayim, kurz mit jeder Schamayim, Darf ein Porsche da allein horwen und allein tun. Wie wir längst gesagt, was ich kann noch tun, es gibt das Himmel, wie jeder von euch, und tut alles, was ihr kennt, und selbst ein Robringen, Maschieren, Teke von Yad Mamosch, in der Leben, die Indianen, Tlake von Eris, die Teo, aber den Kehlen, die Tichon. Welcome to My Life, Chassidus Applied, Episode 294. Special Edition. Honoring and celebrating the 70th anniversary of the Rebbe's leadership and revolution. This entire program will be focused on that theme. This coming Wednesday, Yutzvat, will mark the 70th anniversary when the Rebbe assumed leadership after the previous Rebbe's istalkus and passing on Yutzvat, Shabbos Pasha Boy Tov Shin 1950. And now, on Wednesday, is 70 years from then. And always beginning with the most important question of all. Why should this be relevant to me? It happened 70 years ago. I may have been born after, the, after Gimel Tammuz. What does the Rebbe mean to me? What is this mission? What is the seventh generation? All these and many other questions are going to be addressed, hopefully with God's help, in a way that is relevant, but not just relevant. My objective is to reignite the passion, the sense of urgency 
to not just be impressed and not just be a bystander, but to take a lead role in the unfolding drama of what happened 70 years ago and is continuing to happen today. That each of us carries a tremendous responsibility and more than that, this is the mission of our lives. Why we came here to this earth. So let's begin from the beginning. It's always healthy and always wise to look at the big picture before you get to the small picture. Very often, important questions, important issues are ignored or missed, I should say, when we are focusing on the trees, not on the forest. So to really appreciate the seventh generation, which is the Rebbe, of course, seventh generation from the Alta Rebbe, Rav Shneir Zaman of Liadi, the founder of Chassidus Chabad, we go back to what is that significance. And the Rebbe provided for us, for, provided it for us. On Yud Shvat, Tovshin Yud Aleph, when he formally accepted leadership, he started the Maimer, as we just heard. It was a shock at the time, it was a surprise, because this was the official acceptance of the yoke, of the responsibility, of the mantle, a successor of the Friedrich Rebbe's seventh generation. Bosilegani, of course, was the last mimer published of the Friedrich Rebbe, published on that Shabbos. It was actually studied that Shabbos. And with what the Friedrich Rebbe concluded, the Rebbe began. And every year hence, every year after that first Yudshvat, Yudshvat, that anniversary, the Rebbe would explain one of the chapters of the 20 chapters of Basilagani. So that year, in 1951, Tavshin Yudalev, the Rebbe spoke the first chapter, but there was an overall discourse that really covered the entire picture. The next year, he covered chapter 2, Tavshin Yud Gimel, 1953, chapter 3, and so until 1969, 1970 was chapter 20, and 1971, the Rebbe began again the cycle, chapter 1. So, and the Rebbe mentioned many times, not only was this the discourse, the inaugural magnum opus, if you wish, the inaugural address of the Rebbe, marking his leadership, and every year honoring that, but the Rebbe actually indicated that in this discourse lies answers to all our questions. Being as the last mimer of the previous Rebbe, and for us the first mimer of the Rebbe, it's not just another discourse. Every discourse is invaluable, but some stand out. So, in, in, in his inimitable way, the Rebbe actually would explain themes of Basilegani, and by looking into it, you actually come away with an understanding of the Rebbe himself, of his mission. And of all things we all are aware of, or at least many of us are aware, right in the beginning of the discourse, talks about the seventh. Talking about Basilegani Achesikala, I have come into my garden, my sister, my bride, begins to talk about the process which we'll elaborate upon in a moment, of history itself. But then mentions the seventh generation, which is the generation of Moses that brings the Shekhinah back to earth. He says, Kol Shvi'in That all sevens are precious. Right there, a reference to the seventh generation, and the Rebbe, of course, used that as a cornerstone of his entire leadership. But what is Basilegani Achesikala? If it indeed indicates on the essential core mission of the Rebbe, what is the theme of it? And it's actually both fascinating, intriguing, and gives us a scope, a sweeping scope of all of history. So briefly, in simple English, it's a verse from the book of, of Song of Songs. I have come into my garden, my sister, my bride. It's referring to God speaking about his garden. And what is his garden? 
doesn't say, I've come into a garden, into his garden, to my garden. The garden is referring to the beginning of existence, the Garden of Eden, which the entire universe was like a garden. It was a beautiful world, because the Shekhinah, which means the Divine Presence, and the Ika Shekhinah, the primary dimensions of the Divine Presence, were here on earth in a very visible, tangible, and palpable way. And then, sadly, as the Medrash explains, cited in the beginning of the discourse, human iniquities, our transgressions, starting with Adam and Eve. What is a transgression? We know it's an Aveda. An Aveda means a type of dislocation, moving away from. That the universe moved away slightly, wandered away, betrayed its purpose. And hence that Shekhinah, that divine presence, became concealed. In the words of the discourse, or the, based on the Medrash, that the divine presence, so-called, was nostalgic, which means removed, but it really means concealed in a profound way. Then the next generation continued, sadly, that path and became further concealed. And so on for seven generations that got more concealed and more concealed. Until the process was reversed by whom? By Abraham. He doesn't discuss this, but of course the Mabul, the great flood came in between. Then afterwards the Deir HaFlaga, the building of the Tower of Babel. Then finally came Abraham and he began to reverse the process. What process? The seven degradations, you can say. The seven devolving, states of devolving of the world, the divine and the universe. Meaning the universe and its purpose being separated from one another began to be reintegrated. And Avram, Abraham, brought the Shekhinah to the seventh heaven, to the sixth heaven. Yitzchak, the next generation, to to even more apparent and more revealed. Till Moshe Rabbeinu, the seventh from Abraham, what did he do? He received the Torah at Sinai, and then built I will rest among you. What is the resting among you? This is the Shekhinah coming from the first heaven down to earth, as it was in the beginning of creation. And the rest of history is, of course, there was the sin of the golden calf and other iniquities as well. And the rest of history is re connecting, returning to the garden, the garden that was always there and is always concealed, that is our mission in general of all of history. Every generation is to reconnect existence to its purpose. Think of a machine. A machine is created by an engineer. You have an operator's manual. And the operator's manual says this is how you use the machine. If you do this and this, the machine will hum along and work properly because it's aligned with the purpose of its creation. If, God forbid, you do something to the machine that's destructive, the machine begins to not not function perfectly until it could even break down. The machine is existence. Human life is the machine. In the Torah, the blueprint of creation, God told us this is how the machine works well. It's vicesa, positive things, and this is what you should avoid, which will be destructive and, and cause the machine to deteriorate. And history has been that search for finding the way the machine works best. But we have wandered away both in the beginning of time and throughout history because God did conceal his presence, which becomes a central theme in this discourse, the concealment, that we should be wise enough to see through it and understand what we need to do. So fast forward now. Centuries, millennia pass. Comes Chassidus, starting with the Baal Shemta, but we're talking about the Alter Rebbe, the first of Chassidus Chabad. What does Chassidus do? 
reintroduce the primis ha the inner dimension, the soulfulness in Teda, in a neshama, in a soul, the soulfulness in existence itself, that everything is pulsating with divine energy, everything is divine providence, everything is divine sparks waiting to be released. And when you do that, you rebuild, you take the wilderness, and even the jungle of this universe, and turn it back into a garden. Back, I say, because Basiligani, I have come into my garden, my garden was always my garden, but it became concealed. So we're doing that work. Chassidus, starting with the Alter Rebbe Chassidus Chabad, that took the Baal Shem Tev and the Magid's Teireh, and turned it into a comprehensive, understandable methodology, began the process in the later stages of history, of finally bringing the Shekhinah, the divine, to be apparent in our intelligence and Chabad, in our feelings, and most importantly in our actions, in our behavior. And that's why Chassidus is, is equated with Teirah Shal Mashiach. It's a taste of what we will learn when Mashiach comes, in a world which will be a garden once again, and this time a permanent garden, completely aligned with the blueprint, completely aligned with the Creator's plan, a existence, a machine aligned with its engineer, its cosmic engineer, and the purpose of existence. Chassidus, the, the revelation of Chassidus, entails the final steps of making that happen. As the Altareb explains it beautifully in Tanya chapter 36 and 37, that process of taking Tachtenim, the lowest of the worlds, and turning it into Adira, a home, a comfortable home. And in some places the Rebbe explains that home means a garden. A beautiful, beautiful garden, aligned with its creator. Now, fast forward, Altarebbe, the Mitla Rebbe, the Tzamach Tzedek, the Rebbe Marash, the Rebbe Rashab, the Fridik Rebbe, each in his own way, continued developing this process, not just in the teachings, but also in the actions. But here we want to focus, of course, on Bosiligani. So comes now the seventh generation, the Rebbe, in 1950, Yudshvat, 70 years ago, this week. And what does he say? He says, Bosiligani. So it's not just a nice discourse. It, it works perfectly. That's exactly the theme of history. That's the purpose of existence. The Gemara in Sanhedrin says all of existence was created for Mashiach to return to the garden. And what? In this discourse, the Rebbe elaborates. And what does he tell us? As we heard, that we are that Deirashvi. We're the seventh generation. Seventh generation of the revelation of the divine through Chassidus. That is in a language, and the Rebbe gave us the language. That we can explain it to ourselves, even to our animal souls, even to our selfish selves. And of course explain it to everyone around us. No matter who, no matter what background. Even in secular language. In the farthest recesses of Chutzah. In the farthest outskirts meaning not just in space, but also in spiritual presence. Some people who have no idea what the Torah is, no idea what God is, no idea what Chassidus is, it can be explained. And the seventh generation completes that process. And we are the seventh generation, says the Rebbe. Not due to our choice, not due through our work, and in some ways even not something we want. But this is who we are. By Tulda, we are the seventh from the first. Charged with the mission. This is what was placed upon us. We may say it with tears. We may say it with deep emotion. But this is the responsibility we have. And we don't shirk away from it. And the Rebbe makes abundantly clear in that discourse. And says clearly that we are here to bring the Hamshik, to bring down the Shekhinah, Lamata Mamash. To finish the process. What Moshe Rabbeinu did back then, on a temporary level, gave us the strength. Now it will be on a permanent level. And we have that power 
Not because we're strong, but because we come from those, we follow those that were here before us. We're a shvi, we're the seventh to the first. So with this context, what do we have? Very clearly, the definition of the mission statement of existence, the mission statement of this generation. And every one of us, even though there's seven and a half plus billion people on earth, but not all of them heard this. There's also part of the seventh generation, but we who heard it and now are revisiting it, not just revisiting, reclaiming, rededicating, rededicating ourselves to this mission. What are we doing? Rededicating ourselves to this purpose and this mission. This is not just relevant. This is why we're here. Why did God make that your soul and my soul is here on earth right now? We, why weren't we born 70 years ago? Why weren't we born 700 years ago? Seven, seven, why weren't we born in the beginning of time? Because we were chosen to be here. We may never understand why, but we're here. So now let us explain how the Rebbe, what's the Rebbe's role in this? The Rebbe is a messenger of, the, of God. Every generation has its Moshe Rabbeinu. A messenger for what purpose? What is that? Rebbe? Chosen by God to be a leader, to show us the way, to tell us this mission. He's essentially, his mission is to tell us what our mission is. Or we should say our mission together with the Rebbe, as partners as he made it clear. And that's why he says in the words we also heard just earlier, don't deceive yourself into thinking you appointed me and that's that. No, we're partners. The Jalavan, the devil will not decline from helping, but we're all part of the seventh generation. And this is the revolution born 70 years ago, which should be relevant to every person on earth and definitely those of us that were blessed to be exposed. This is a gift. Why you were born, to know who the Rebbe is, to know what his words are, to understand the mission. And our mission is to make sure everybody else understands it, not just understands it, but acts on it. That's the groundwork. That's the platform and foundation of what Yudshvat really is. So it's not just an event that happened 70 years ago. It's actually definition of the end of the process, the end of this long marathon that began from the beginning of time. All of time is waiting for this moment. And here we are, honoring, celebrating this revolution, this vision, this leadership. That's the role of a Rebbe. That's why he's relevant, because he's telling you what you and I should be doing, of course, with the strengths and guidance and direction and power and empowerment that the Rebbe gives us. So now, the question is, how do we connect with this? Well, we connect with by learning, understanding the Rebbe's vision, understanding the teachings, understanding all the details of it, and the more we internalize it, the more we own it, then the Rebbe's vision becomes our vision. Very clear. This is essentially what every shliach, shluch shalom kamei mamish, is an ambassador, a messenger, not of his own message, of a cause greater than himself, God's purpose, as conveyed by the Rebbe in Bosiligani and of course in all the other teachings. So the more you internalize it, the more you bond with it, the more you associate with it. That's what the Rebbe always said, his kashas through learning what I learned learning what I teach. And of course, what the Rebbe teaches includes all the next generations back to the beginning of time, beginning to be a Meshur All that is the way to how we go. Now, every generation has its unique challenges. And our generation is no different. Ours is the post-World War II generation. 1950 was just a few years after World War II, which we know ravaged and transformed altered the entire landscape of the world, especially the Jewish world. 
Everything of that old world was almost destroyed, of Eastern Europe, of Central Europe, and Russia. The Friedrich Rebbe coming in 1940 to America to rebuild. So the Rebbe was dealing with a demoralized people, demoralized Chassidim, no parnosa, no livelihood, no jobs, no, no, no sense of security, no language. But yet, the mission is still ours. And in the, if you look in retrospect, it's amazing how the Rebbe took, didn't just say, okay, let's begin, and first let's nurture, lick our wounds, let's nurture ourselves, and so on. No, jumped right into it in Basiligani and told us the marching orders and gave us the tools to deal with the greatest challenge of our time, which is what? Apathy. Apathy. The war against apathy, not the war against outside enemies, the inner enemy. Comfort zone, which in a way marks one of the most powerful ways our times. On one hand, the best of times, technologically, medically, longevity, age expectancy, life expectancy, standard of living, you name it. Comforts, comforts, comforts. On the other hand, there's a very deep, hollow vacuum in people's lives, in relationships, in love, in marriage, in dealing with children, in things that are the more ethereal elements have been in many ways compromised due to our connections. We all feel very connected. But there's also a deep disconnection on a personal level. All this and much more are part of the challenges of our times. And the Rebbe gave us a blueprint and explaining that we have to fight that apathy and sense of urgency that we need to have in fulfilling our mission and doing what? In finding in every detail of your life deeper meaning. That's the mission. There was a time where our real focus was simply fighting off enemies. We were running for our lives. Now with our more, more time, more leisure, more comfort, we have the time to do what? To actually transform the world and turn it into that garden. And time and again, the Rebbe would talk and focus on that theme. How that becomes so much part of the time in which we live. So it's interesting. It's not just the seventh generation at the end of the process. It's also the time itself is conducive to it. All comes together in a beautiful mosaic, like a stage that's set. Technology actually allows us to reach Mola Oriz Deus Hashem, Kamayim Liyamachasim, which means to fill the world with divine knowledge as the waters cover the sea. How would that have been done 3,000 years ago when Yeshaya said that verse? It would have to be a miracle. So the world in which we live is actually a keli, a container, a perfect stage set. And as the Rebbe explains, the trends in history, political, in, uh, technological, financial. In every area you can see that evolution. You can see a world coming closer to what we call unity. The fusion of matter and spirit. Of matter and energy. Which in the language of Chassidus is taking the material world which we get that power to be done at Sinai and turn it into a spiritual energy. E equals MC squared in the real true sense of the word. And today, with the language of Chassidus, and with the teachings of it, and its application, that is the role that look around the world, and what? There's a potential garden, there's a potential flower in everything you see, starting with the human being. The love the Rebbe showed. Yes, there are many challenges. Yes, people sometimes behave in ways that are not very appropriate. But look for the flower. Look for the garden. The Gani, the Gani, my garden. And when you look for it, and you act on it with Unconditional love, you know what happens? 
it begins to sprout because that's what love does. Love is water. Water makes, is nurtures things. Water makes things grow. The Avis is one of the first statements that ever made after the Maimon Basilagani, Tavshin Yeral 50, 1951. Statement that ever said that there's Avis Yisrael and Avis Ater and Avis Hashem and one without the other is not complete. Another foundational element in the process of transforming or you could say revealing an emerging garden in what would be rather otherwise a wilderness or even a jungle. Dog eats dog. Survival of the fittest. Transforming that. And in a blueprint fashion that all this allows people the tools and the skills to achieve exactly that. And the Rebbe took challenge after challenge and addressed them in that beautiful, powerful way. Many things that are very painful. Remember also the post-Holocaust generation. We have to deal with a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, a lot of loss. Psychologically, emotionally, people deal with that. And the Rebbe has these tremendous teachings in helping people deal with the darkness in their lives. Covering it all from A to Z. I have personal experience with this as I wrote Toward a Meaningful Life and researching and have to write in a language that would speak to people who don't yet know the word Allah base. And I saw the results. The relevance, not just the relevance, the indispensable relevance. So I've seen it, it's not a theory. That these teachings carry the ultimate secret of all of history, which is how to create a garden in a dark world. How to create a garden out of your own home, how to create a garden within your own spirit, within your own soul, within your own psyche. So let's go over now some central themes of Basilegani. Because since Basilegani contains all these secrets and answers, obviously that doesn't just mean Basilegani means all the teachings, but Basilegani specifically, let's just quickly focus just on a few that I just selected to demonstrate their universal message and tools that are relevant to what? To Basilegani. To bring out, to reveal and that garden that's there waiting to be released. The beauty waiting to be released. So just let's begin. Let's start with concealment itself, right at the beginning of the Mimer. What does he talk about, as I mentioned? After it was all like a, my garden, then began levels of concealment, concealment after concealment. With the goal being, however, that the concealment should be transformed to revelation. Kadis Kafri says the Friedrich Rebbe, and the Rebbe explains, that when we are in that concealed state and we are tempted to, to something that's trying to seduce us, you refrain and that refrain from not allowing yourself to be, to be, to be uh, subdued, to be controlled and succumb to all the tentacles of this material world and its concealments, draws down iskafya sitrach, draws down istalikikor of the kuchabricha bekula almen, a powerful divine dimension that's transcendent, higher than all the worlds. So that's theme number one. Dealing with concealment. Theme number two. He begins to talk about how we do that. Through offerings. Korban. Odom Yaakov Korban Lashem. You need to offer yourself. You need to say, Hineni, here I am. I've drafted myself in this army, in this cause. That's an offering. An offering to God. Say, I'm, I am your soldier. I am your servant. I will serve. Korbanus. Then he goes on to talk about another very fascinating theme. Insanity. Now, insanity here doesn't mean clinically. It means something you become obsessed with. Beyond rational. 
Are you telling me, find in your own life, we all have things that we become obsessed with and we look and we can laugh at ourselves. Why are you obsessed with something like that? It could be a video game, it could be sports, it could be to the point that we're ready to even unbelievable passion and obsession with it. That's the Lomaza. He talks about people get obsessed with material things. When you think about it, why are you so obsessed? These are all temporary delights. Instant gratification. So you could just dismiss it. He says, no. Transform it. Transform it into a force. Don't just push it aside. Harness obsession to an obsession in Gedusha and holiness. Use that obsession as something that's beautiful. You're obsessed with loving another. You're obsessed with going and building a Chabad house or building a station, a outpost somewhere, anywhere in this wilderness and build a garden. Be obsessed with it. You're already talking about obsession, a form of insanity? Go for it. But holy insanity. And someone will say, it doesn't make sense. Why would someone go out to Siberia or some other outskirts somewhere with some other wilderness? That's the mission. And it's driven by this passion. Because passion does not know limits. It has to be guided. It has to be harnessed. Yet another theme. So relevant to our times. You see somebody wavering. You see somebody lost. And you see where they sometimes get stuck. What is an addiction at the end of the day? It's an obsession. It's addiction is an attachment. An unhealthy attachment. So connect a healthy attachment. Transform it to a healthy attachment. Next theme. Bittel. The theme of Bittel when he starts talking about the Kroshim. Kufre Shin. So he says there's the... There's the, there's the hay, there's the dalad, all indicated by bitl. Bitl is a sense of suspending yourself for a higher purpose. That is one of the most important elements in life. The idea of recognizing it's not about me, it's about something greater than I am. And what is the greater? The mission again, Vosiligani. And let's talk about a moment, another theme. In this 10th chapter, we are now in the year 2020, I'm sorry. 5780, so it's the 10th chapter. In the 10th chapter, the Rebbe emphasizes the Friedrich Rebbe, he now goes into the concept of Tzivus Hashem, Tzava, that the word Tzava has three meanings. One is army. The other is beauty. And the other comes from time, deadline. And he explains all three of them. We have to be, as I said before, mobilize yourself, draft yourself into this army. The next thing is Everything done in a beautiful way. Beauty can only, is only possible when you have more than one color. So there's diversity, harmony within diversity, and finally, understanding the value of time. You know, today, we think we have all the time in the world. I can do anything. There's always tomorrow. The value of every moment. Yet again, central themes necessary in fulfilling the mission for which we are placed in this world. Two more themes, and then we'll move forward. Another one goes further in the discourse, talks about Okay, that's an esoteric concept. In simple English, we are, may not be great souls. We may not be comparable to those that came before us. We are maybe in the lowest level. But you know what? According to Kabbalistic and Hasidic teachings, in the lowest is wedged the highest. So in the darkest of dark, you can achieve the highest of the high. And he uses an example. Example of the soldiers. Who are the foot soldiers? They're the simple soldiers. They're not the generals. They're not the sergeants. They're not the lieutenants. They're not the strategists. The simple soldiers that walk front line. But it's for them that the king splurges, opens up all his vaults, all his treasures. 
to give them the ability to achieve what? Nitzachin. What is Nitzachin? Another obsession, but a healthy one. The need to be victorious in this battle. Not a physical battle. Not one that has anything to do with physical weapons, God forbid. Or bloodshed, God forbid. But a spiritual battle. But with a Nitzachin, with a determination and a persistence that's unwavering and formidable. It is those front shoulders that go out on the front lines and take upon themselves this mission. They are received what? They receive the greatest and highest and most sublime treasures. An very powerful message to our days. People say, who am I? What am I? What can I do? Do your thing and you receive the greatest possible treasures. And there you have just some of the tremendous and remarkable lessons in Bosilagani to help us fulfill the mission of our generation. Okay, so so far we've covered, what have we covered? We've covered the general history. We've covered this generation. What is a Rebbe in empowering us in this way? And now we've just reviewed the themes from Bosilagani. But now let's take this to another place, to a whole nother level. And here I want to uh, just tell you I'm speaking here with just my feeling, but based obviously on these teachings. And this really always, um, what can I say, touches me in ways that uh, are hard to describe. The Rebbe. The Rebbe gave his life. A man of that caliber. As he cries in the words in Basilegani that we heard earlier. This is our generation. And you look at the process over the years. This seventh generation is the theme that lies in all his teachings. It's a central theme that you'll find everywhere. The driving force of every mifzah, of every campaign, of every talk. Sometimes the Rebbe spelled it out, sometimes not. But it was very clear, especially in retrospect, that all the Rebbe's strategy, all the Rebbe's campaigns, all the ideas through all the years was driven by the mission statement of Bosiligani. So over those years, Chassidim would speculate, where is this headed? And we all expected Mashiach and Bu'ul to come. In 1967, during the Six-Day War, it seemed to be a very opportune time when the Rebbe spoke about Yehoyah Tokar B'Shefer Godel, the great shofar has blasted, gathering Jews from all backgrounds, preparing the world for Geula, Ishtachavis Lahar Kochi, to prostrate yourself, bow at the holy mountain, the Geula. In 1970, 20 years from the Rebbe's leadership, the f- conclusion of the, Ma- the Sefer Torah of Mashiach, everyone thought Mashiach was coming that Friday, Yudshvat. And many other such moments because we saw the pattern. It wasn't just the seventh generation. We were coming after six generations of Chassidus Chabad and two generations of Chassidus Klolis and all the work that was done for, throughout history. Millions and billions of mitzvahs and sacrifices. And we all felt that sense of this is it. We're at the threshold. So let's now fast forward. We're now come to the late years, the 1980s. The Rebbe is now talking about the entire world, transforming the world through the universal Noahide laws of ethics and values and love and compassion, system of law and order, which is this, what will be when Mashiach comes. The final stage is necessary. A world that through our initiative does whatever we, we can possibly can to make it a civilized world. 
a humane world of tzedek and yesher, chesed and tzedakah, compassion, charity, virtue, tzedek v'yesher. And we've seen the world evolve to all that. So it was all fitting. The seventh generation, meaning from 1950 on, you've seen only growth in that area. That doesn't mean there aren't setbacks. It doesn't mean the world is perfect. But if you look at your trends, very clear. So now comes mid-80s. And I remember this vividly, like we're right here today. Purim Tavshimem Zayin. Rebbe says one of these epic talks about why has the Gula not come. After all we've done, after all the Friedrich Rebbe announcing it. And you can listen to the Sikh, unbelievable. And the Rebbe says, after much effort, after much exertion, the only answer I found is that it went over from Hanasi to Hakel. A new statement. Yes, in Tavshin Yodal, the Rebbe said that we should not deceive ourselves thinking that. The Rebbe is going to do it. We, we need to be part of it. But it wasn't that, was not specified. Be part of it. Do the, follow the Rebbe's orders. Learn his truth. Align yourself with his vision, with his mission. Here suddenly the Rebbe says, from Anasi Takel. Not, God forbid, that the Nasi is no longer doing his part, but something more has to be done. It was very clear. There was something that shifted. The Rebbe says, if the Iskashas, the connection would have been on the, the level where it should be, it would have been a different story, but since not, it's gone over to Hakel, which only emphasizes even more the words of our initiative, empowered by the Reb. Four years later, Chav Ches Nisan Who doesn't remember that? Who hasn't heard those words? We heard it earlier. Ichabal Gitan Tutyetz Vas Irkent Eiris Deteyo and Kelim Detikum. went on and said, maybe there'll be one, two, or three of you. So after all that, that will strategize and put your minds together and come up with a plan. So after all that was done, here's where we are. Those were the last words. Yes, there would be a few more months, the Chavzayin, other actually 11 months to the day from when the Rebbe said the Chavches Nisan Sicha, that impassioned and emotional plea. 11 months to the day, the Rebbe has a stroke. And ever since till this day, Leisato. We have not heard from the Rebbe. So now you put all this into context. The first words from Basilegani. And these later words from Chofches Nissen. And before that, Purim Memzayim. And what do you come away with? It's very clear. It's not a new thought. From the first day the Rebbe said, we are that generation. And if you say, me, I money, who am I, what am I? That's not the point. You were chosen to be here. It's not your choice. It's not your Aveda. It's not even what we want necessarily at times. But this is who we are. This is the challenge we were given. So as small as you may think, but the Rebbe is saying, he given it to us. Now, the Sunday after Chav Ches Nisan, something really uh, powerful happened. By dollars, people go by. One woman who went by had just lost her son. She stood up from Shiva. And she goes by with tears in her eyes and says to the Rebbe, the heart-wrenching crying out to the Rebbe, do not leave us hanging. You are the Rebbe, you must take us out of Golis. 
the Rebbe, in a very uncharacteristic and remarkable way, despite his being known for his infinite compassion, the Rebbe says to her, I'm quoting, seemingly does not address her pleading cries, and says to her, I'm one person. If Claudius saw cannot do it, how could one person do it? And what does she respond? You're not one person, you're the Rebbe. And the Rebbe replies to her, if I am a Rebbe, then I have spoken clearly that it must be done. And the Rebbe takes his finger, his holy finger, and adamantly points to her and to others those present. It has to be done by you, and by you, and by you. And the Rebbe says, she says to the Rebbe, yes, but we're counting on you. So the Rebbe says, if you're counting on me, I am telling you, and I've already told you, and the Rebbe is adamant. It has to be done by you, and by you, and by you. A second time the Rebbe points to everyone. Now when you think about this, I mean, it's, as I said, we all know the Rebbe's compassion to every person especially to a crying mother, and it was very clear. So it's hard to imagine the superhuman restraint that the Rebbe had to exercise. But yet, it was so important. By you, by you, by you. And I point to every one of you who are watching this right now. I point to myself. And these are the holy fingers of the Rebbe pointing. It's not just words. That's how critical it is. So we may never understand why. We may never understand why is it necessary that we'd be such an integral component. But there's no question that we are. And we've been told, by you, by you, by you. Why are we living today? We said, it's not by our choice, it's not our avoid our work. It's what was placed upon us. So anyone thinking even a bit seriously about the Rebbe, and my connection to the Rebbe, how could that be ignored? So we're here 70 years later, and we're rededicating and reconnecting and talking about how could we ignore these words? By you, by you, by you. Okay, so people will say, okay, but what do you want me to do? Well, the first thing is we need to be cognizant and be committed and say, yes, I am ready. Remember, the Rebbe said a number of times that when he speaks, even in public, speaking to each individual as if they were standing there in Yechidus in private audience. So the first thing I would say, that you have to have that simus love, that commitment, the Rebbe speaking to you, to you. And I'm pointing the finger, the Rebbe's finger. I'm not, God forbid, I'm pointing how the Rebbe pointed his finger. By you. That you're standing with the Rebbe, the Rebbe's telling you, I've done what I can, now it's up to you, I'm here, I'm, I will help you. As he said in the, in the, Sikha, the talk after Basiligani, Tufshin Yudal, 1951. So what would you feel like now 25 years since Gimel Thomas? It's 29 years since that talk in 1991. It's 33 years since Purim Memzayim. And it's 70 years since Yud Shvat Tufshin Yud. So the first thing is, you can't say, I, I tried everything I can, and now, you know what, I've given up. God forbid. Now is the time to say, what can I do that I have not done till now? And this is not about necessarily creating drama and fireworks and so on. 
it's a shift. The Alter Rebbe explains in Tanya chapter 15. It's a shift in consciousness. Which means, instead of doing something you've done a routine way, you're going a step further. You can study something a hundred times, it's not considered serving. You want Avoida? 101. So what we have to look for is that shift. Something additional. It's not quantity at times. It could be quantity too. It's qualitative shift that we do in every aspect of our lives. Okay. So I'm going to now take the rest of this program and talk about now, of course, the punchline of it all. To bring it home. So what should we do? What can we do? What practical things can be done that we can, each of us, no matter who we are. So I'm going to make several suggestions. These are all based, obviously, on sikhs from the Rebbe. This by no means limits the suggestions. Everyone can come with more suggestions. But hopefully this can feed a movement that will actually fulfill and finish the process that we were charged with. So we'll just begin practical things. But before we begin, we have to identify what it is that we're trying to achieve. So here comes the big elephant in the room, the big question. What is Mashiach? How could you do things to bring Mashiach if you don't know what it is? Yes, we're told, gives dockets, but Kareves that brings the gula closer. There are many mitzvahs that have a gula that bring the gula closer. Learning chsidis. But still, if you don't know the end product, the end result, it's very difficult to really do things with a passion. You could do it to commit it. I'll do whatever you tell me to do, but it doesn't have that element. So the first thing is know what Mashiach is. That's why the Rebbe says, What does that mean? It's not just to learn and find out certain things that will happen. It's to get your mindset and your heart set and your consciousness and your every faculty aligned with the vision of Mashiach. And I'll submit the following. That when you don't know what something is, it's very difficult to really act to build that reality. An example, by contrast, Mifzit film. It's very clear. It may have been something we didn't do. It may have been something people were uncomfortable with. It was a new thing. But the idea was, stand on a corner, stand in Tachan Merkazit in the central bus station in Israel, where, where it began the Mifzit by the soldiers, or anywhere. Go to a city, and you find a boy or a man after Bar Mitzvah, and you ask him if he put on film, and you put on film. It's very clear. The only resistance may be whether you're ready to do it or you're lazy. Same thing with Mifzah Neshek, just to use an example, like candlelight. Every Mifzah has its parameters. It's action-based. Someone will say, okay, now Mashiach, let's compare it. So what do you want me to do? Stand on the corner and do what? And I would submit that this is one of the reasons that it's so embroiled in controversy because Mashiach, no one has defined what it is. Is it an action? Is it a slogan? Is it an expression? Is it a bunch of action? Is it studying? Is it action-based? Is it educational-based? Is it inspiration? All the above. What is this product? So clearly, Mashiach and Geula, and that's what Chassidus comes to teach us, is a vision for tomorrow, a vision for today. What the world will look like. This garden, Basiligani, what will the garden look like? What will the universe look like? When you understand that, and you can envision what the world will look like, what your life will look like, what your home will look like, 
then you're well on your way. Because now you know. Someone will say to you, they hire you for a job. They say, your job is to market a certain product. You'll say, what's the product? They say, yeah, we don't know what it is. Or we're not going to tell you, figure it out. How could you market a product you don't know what it is? How could you sell something? And I don't mean it in a, in a demeaning way. How could you present something? How could you educate? How could you educate yourself? So the first thing is we need to train our minds and our hearts to envision. Envision in practical terms. And here's the question I ask every one of us to ask ourselves. And I ask myself, what will the world look like tonight, tomorrow, Mashiach comes? What will the street you live on look like? What will your home look like? What will the sky look like? What will the trees look like? Will people go to work? Will there be a dry cleaners? Will there be a pizza shop? Will there be sushi? What will there be? I submit that many people have never really asked that question. In general, we know we're going to go to Israel. No more, there'll be, as the Rambam says, no more war, no more hunger, no more avarice, no more unhealthy jealousies, and so on. But tell me, describe life. I'm going to wake up in the morning, they tell Mashiach is here. You feel it, you know it, you're told. What is it going to look like? Start envisioning it, and that's through learning about it, envisioning it in a real way, and you're, I don't say halfway, but you're a long way toward now. Oh, if that's what it looks like, here's what I can do to really passionately explain it to myself and to live Mashiach Dik. So what will it look like? So I'm going to give two examples, but first I want to give the quotation. In the Rambam's world, you know what it looked like? That the business of the world, will be nothing but to know God. Simple English. It means that today we work for material gain, to make money, gain power, influence, maybe to do, do even good things. But it's an end in itself. The end is the material gain that all material work will be toward a means toward a higher end to know God. But what does know God mean? Will all be theologians? Will all be philosophers? No, but you will see and perceive and experience in everything how there's a deeper purpose and there's a higher purpose. What Chassidus teaches us that you sit at a table, the table has purpose to study on to eat something in a holy, a sacred way. Same thing, the food you eat, the people you meet. Everything has higher... God created nothing for naught. Everything God created in the world, meaning nothing but for His honor. What does honor mean? Expressing godliness. In that, uh, that's in the Rambam's words, in the Alter Rebbe's words, beginning of Perik Lamed Zayin. He says, The purpose of existence, which is what? And then he says these words. So it's a line we read, we read, you know, supposed to those that know, so revelation of the divine infinite light in the material world. What does that mean? That's Basilagani. It means a world, a machine that's aligned to its purpose. Simply put, is the divine purpose embedded in existence. And when that's revealed, and when everything is aligned, then the machine is aligned and healthy and connected and an expression of the divine. Two examples. One is a letter from the Rebbe, Nigris Kedesh. Let's see if I have the actual letter. Okay, I don't have it in front of me, but I will 
It's an egress case. You can find it in the early years. A person who owned the cleaners, of all things, writes to the Rebbe, and the Rebbe says everything is a lesson in life, and here's a lesson from cleaning, cleaning clothing. What, is the, what was the innovation of cleaning? Very straightforward. You buy a garment, a fresh new garment. You then wear it once, twice, three times. It gets soiled, it gets uh, wrinkled, it gets dirtied. At some point, you can't wear it anymore if you're going to be a, a decent dressed person. So you think you have to throw it out? No. Comes the concept of cleaners. You give it to the cleaners. What do they do? They immerse it in water, and not just plain water, warm water, and mix chemicals that relieve, that, that uh, take out the smudges, the stains, and the and anything there that became embedded in the clothing. Then you take it out. You dry it and put it under a very heavy press. And voila, you have a garment as new as, as fresh as new. What's the lesson? Neshama shenasata bitahedihi, the Rebbe writes. The neshama that, that was given and instilled in me is pure, a pure, fresh garment. But then life takes over disappointments, loss, pains, suffering. And it soils us, it breaks us, it hurts us, it wounds us, it scars us. So you could think, okay, you know, it's a one-way street. The soul was once pure, no longer. God forbid. Teaches us the cleaners. No, immerse the soul in water. In mayim elateda. Teda is compared to water. Study teda refreshes. But not just water, warm water. Because cold water is kaltkeit. Warmth, passion, commitment. A, a deeper warmth. Then mix chemicals. Each mitzvah is another chemical. The chemicals get rid of the different, uh, the different stains. And then put it under a heavy press, Kabbalah sale. Oil, Kabbalah sale. Commitment to something greater. Not a press that oppresses us, but a press that lifts us up because you feel that commitment that carries you. And the garment now is new. Your neshama has been renewed. And this you can re- repeat this process many times in life. So that's a beautiful lesson of its own. Great to share. But here's something else. When I read that letter, interesting, I was walking in my community in Kingston Avenue, and there are quite a few dry cleaners and cleaners in general. And I began to look at each cleaners, and you know something? I saw cleaners in a new way. I said, this is what will be when Mashiach comes. There may be cleaners, there'll be cleaners, but you will not see cleaners only to bring your garments there. It's a lesson. My flesh teaches me about God, and cleaners teaches me about God. It teaches me a lesson about the soul. And the same can be applied to everything in life. Story number two. I was invited to speak at a medical conference. I'm not a doctor. I'm not the son of a doctor. So why was I invited? Because they wanted me to describe the medicine of the future, according to Judaism, according to Kabbalah, according to Hasidus. So I briefly, uh, I'll be brief, but there I elaborated. I explained that all illness, disease, God forbid, all the way leading to death, is all an aberration. It's an anomaly. It's not the natural way of things. Because had Adam and Eve not eaten from the tree of knowledge, they would have lived forever. The Torah says it explicitly. Why? And the logic is simple. Soul has energy in it. There's no, there's no limit. It's not like gas in a car, you run out of it. It's an in, in, infinite amount of energy coming from divine source. So why does the soul and body ever have to separate? If the body is like an appliance and the soul is energy, the only reason is not the soul problem. It's the body. The body is punctured. 
or in some way wounded, or in some way compromised, it can no longer be a seamless vehicle and container for the soul. So think of it, you hold a cup. It, forget about the, the, the effects of evaporation. There's water in that cup. It should never disappear unless the cup has holes in it. Every time a person wanders away from the garden, every time there's an iniquity, some type of transgression, it's a puncture in the material world, misaligning it from its purpose, from its cosmic engineer's purpose. So when Adam and Eve ate from the tree, going back to the theme of Bosilagani, a puncture, another puncture. So at some point, the soul and the body cannot be side by side because the soul is expressing divine purpose. The body now has gone off in its own, wandered off through its own, its own agenda. So what do you think happens? Ultimately, the body breaks down, the appliance breaks down, and the, and the energy can no longer be there. So death is an aberration. When Mashiach comes, the future, we will have repaired all those punctures and all those holes and all those scars and all those wounds. And what will happen? Through, like the soul, through immersing it in, tar- in water, warm water, and chemicals, the mitzvahs, and a Kabbalah sale, what will happen? The cup will be repaired, the body will be repaired, so then they can live side by side, eternal life. Tchis HaMesim is not a chiddush. It's for us because we've been so used to a world of aberration. But it's the world that's the aberration. Golis is the aberration. Just to tell you the end of the story. So the doctors were very, they were touched by that. So one of them got up and said, so what will happen with us doctors if there's no more illness, disease, and death? So after the prerequisite joke that maybe that's why they are saving for a long retirement, that's why they charge so much to save for a long retirement, I said, the most beautiful thing will happen. Instead of you battling disease and illness, dealing with the pain and loss of families and the people who are suffering, you will do the most beautiful thing. You'll be teaching us the secrets of the divine, of God, embedded in Mipsari Erzalakan, my flesh, from my flesh, from my flesh I behold God. Just as astronomers will be teaching it us through the cosmos, through the cosmos themselves, and just as physicists will be teaching us through physics and through subatomic particles, as every scientist and every in political science or physical science or social science or everything won't be it won't be an end in itself, it will be to know God, to see a godly truth. And it's not just a nice truth, it's the truth of who we really are, the purpose of our lives. Now, if we can imagine it in the cleaners, and we can imagine it in, a, in the medical uh, field, just envision it in other areas in life. Talk to, talk to yourself and ask yourself, well, that's what the world will look like. In a powerful sikh in Akhri Meis Kudeshim, and then followed up Emer Tovshinun Aleph, talking about 1991. These are a few weeks, at, weeks after the Chav Chesnitz and Sikh. The Rebbe reacts to letters he's receiving, they're saying they're frightened about this talk about Mashiach. What's going to happen with our equity, with our furniture, with all our connections, everything we've built up in Golos? The Rebbe smiled and answered, nothing to be afraid of. Geula is Geula with an Aleph. Nothing will be lost. You'll only gain. The same Geula, the same reality we see now, won't be disappeared, will not, will not be annihilated, God forbid. You'll see the Aleph in everything, in your in, in equity and in all your belongings. The revealing of the Aleph in existence. Is this something each of us cannot envision? You need to pay attention. You need to feel it's important. You need to feel it's our mission. So now let's translate that in practical steps. And I'm going to use a few examples at home and family, at work, in the world around us, 
with non-Jews, applying it to leaders, and some other applications. And this is just a selection because really the list goes on. Because if you can envision it and you're passionate about it, so those are two key ingredients, then the last step is action, actualizing it. So let's start at home. I'm talking about the average home. There's children, different ages. Why not make it a habit starting this Yushvat? Starting right now. That begin to speak to your children before they go to sleep, after, when they wake up, maybe other times. Incentivize them to speak about what this world will look like. I give an example of cleaners. Let's take another industry, an ice cream store. Let's take something else, something you enjoy, toys. What will it look like if you put the Aleph of Alufish Shalelem of God, of Ahdus, of unity? What will it look like? Let it just begin as, a, uh, as an imagination, as an uh, exercise of imagination, a mind game. Once you can describe it and you start talking about it, then what can we do to bring it from here to here? In Tavshinal of Shvuis, the Friedrich Rebbe says, he says, in a few weeks from now is coming a guest. He's going to stay in your home. What would you do to your home? This guest, a very special guest. You'll clean it up. You'll make sure the guest is comfortable. Every room, every detail. And Friedrich Rebbe goes on, the guest is Mashiach, he's coming. Time to prepare our homes. So if you envision it, then you could say, okay, does my room, does my home look like this world of Mashiach? Is it Mashiachdik? So the learning of Lil Medinagol Mashiach creates an environment, it creates a context, a perspective, which you can then apply and say, okay, how do I get from here to here? Can you get all the way? That's not what we're talking about. Do whatever you can. So that's a simple thing everybody can do at home with our children, in our families, and not just to envision, but to exercises and activities, how to make, just like how do you clean your room? How, does, how do you spiritually clean it? How do you spiritually clean your kitchen? That's at home. At work, same thing. I mentioned cleaners. Everyone's work. work. Ask yourself, what in my work teaches us a lesson or an insight into the divine, into God, into transcendence? And be specific. And speak about it. Again, envision it and then apply it. An individual once spoke to me and said to me, read toward a meaningful life, and he said, there's a suggestion there from the Rebbe that you should have a tzedakah pushka everywhere, in your kitchen, in your office, on your desk. Now he's a hardcore, a real shark, as they call him, cutthroat businessman. He says, I started putting a pushka on my desk. I left it there. And it says it changed the conversation. People came, what is that? And we began to give a few coins before the meeting and after the meeting. He transformed his environment. That's not necessarily that you learn a lesson from it, but it's a similar idea. He brought an Aleph into Goyle. This is, again, Simas Lev that I would always talk about. Pay attention. Let's talk about non-Jews. All of us come into contact with people of all walks of life. Make it a habit to start having conversations, but not corny or out of the blue. A personal conversation about something divine. There's ways to do it. Be wise appealing in a very elegant way with Jews and also non-Jews. Why are we here? The purpose. You're sitting on a plane. You're anyway traveling for hours. Again, it's about applying ourselves. But now we've added the geula part. Not just to say good words and let's be kind. 
we are introducing an aleph into Gaila, and that's what turns it into Gula. All these are very easy and practical things to do. It's not that difficult. But again, it needs to be done, and you're actually doing that. You're envisioning Mashiach, and you're living it by actualizing that vision, even in a small way. Because that kind of act, you've made the world a little more garden-like. It's a little more Ghani, my garden. I've come into my garden, where Ikashkina was in the beginning. Another, leaders. What I mean by that is, some of us, all of us have our sphere of influence. Some have influence on people that are leaders. Political leaders, they may be a neighbor, maybe some other a family member. So if you have an access, or business leader, if you have access to someone like that, why not make a meeting and sit down and say, you know what, I want to talk about a vision. A vision of my teacher, my mentor, the Rebbe. It's not his vision. It's actually God's vision. A vision that this world can be a better place. And not in a naive, childish way. What can we do? You're a leader. You're a corporate leader. You're a business leader. You're a global leader. (coughs) Let's talk. I would love to hear your thoughts and feelings and insights. What can we do? And you never know. You can inspire someone and say, you know what, that's an interesting thing. Because some people think like that. They think globally. Not everybody. But if you can spark and ignite and pick the interest of a person who thinks like that, they may think like that in context of uh, conquering markets, whether it's Nike or Apple or others. But you think like that, these are people who think in that way. And you never know who you, whom you can influence. One more thing. Avis Yisrael. thing that Rebbe stated all the way back then, it was a cornerstone of all of the Rebbe's talks. Avisi kamecha. But still, in our generation, become paramount because of divisiveness, because of the lack of discretion, of lack of too much judgment and condescension, loving another. We know clearly the Beis Hamidrash was destroyed due to sinas chinam, baseless hatred. So obviously, Yisrael, yes, every mitzvah leads to the Gula. My saint of Avodah Seinah says the Alter Rebbe. But especially mitzvahs like Zokeh, but obviously Israel directly connected. Why? Because when we're united, that is the world of Mashiach. A world that's united by diverse entities. I mentioned before Tzava briefly. Different colors, but one harmony. That is a guladika world. It's not just a zguli. You have obviously Israel, and God will reward us. That prepares the world. Which a derivative of that is also Zokeh, but God has all these make sense. Because what is the goal? Envision a world, no war, no strife. Everybody knows their role. And therefore we coexist because we all complement each other. A harmony within diversity. How do you lead to that? Show a little kindness. So you'll say, what am I supposed to do? I'll tell you the first thing you do. Anytime you see machleka's disagreements, stay away. Don't bring it to your table. Don't let your children hear about it. If you have a temptation, go outside and talk to your wife about it. Even that I would say not. But let's say... Create a pure environment, a loving environment. We may disagree, but we love each other. So the first thing is not to be part of it. That already is a, you're not part of the problem. You start becoming part of the solution. And then looking for, deliberately looking for proactive ways to actually bring a little more kindness into your home, into your community, into your environment, into your workplace. Be an agent of love. And specifically with the intention of making it more gu'uladik. The aleph of ahva. 
into Gaula. Love. That also turns Golas into Gaula. And again, not changing the, not destroying, God forbid the word, adding to it. A dimension that is often lacking. And finally, I want to say this. In the context of the Balsamta's famous story, Rab Chaim Rappaport, that the water that he made a blessing on was waiting from the beginning of time for him to come and make a bracha blessing. Everything we encounter in life, every step we take, Mashem Tzadik Gover Kainan, who is led by the footsteps of man, or led by God. Every person we meet, whether it's a chance encounter or a deliberate encounter, every interaction, whether it's with water or food or events, things that come your way, the Baal Shem Tev says it's a lesson in, in the, to serve God. But it's also a stepping stone to bring Gaula. Because when you learn that lesson, like we learned from the cleaners or from other similar, similar ideas, entities, you do that, you're bringing Gaula. Because you're revealing in everything. The more you do that effort, it could be when you're walking down the street, think about it. Don't daydream and think about Narashkait nonsense. Think about it. Every step is valuable. Now, you know, a topic like this, we can go on and on. I want to conclude. I want to conclude. We heard the Rebbe's words. Listen to them as many times and listen to them in the sense that's personal to you. You and you and you. That's what the Rebbe said. You and you and you. Even while the woman was crying and saying, you're the Rebbe. If I'm the Rebbe, you and you and you. So there's a sense of urgency here. And I, I know people will say, one second, it's 25 years. Eh, we can wait another, God forbid. There's a reason that 70 years of coming now. To wake up call. A sense of urgency. Imagine the Rebbe pointing to you. Only to you. What have you done? What will you do? And it's not just the Rebbe. The Rebbe carries with him seven generations from the Alter Rebbe, nine generations from the Baal Shem Tev, almost 90 generations from Moshe, from the beginning of time. So close your eyes and imagine the millions and billions of those that came before us, including our families. They're now in heaven. They're watching us on this 70th anniversary. What will you do? The Rebbe said clearly, it wasn't just, oh, Mashiach didn't come, let me figure out, I have to do something. He said, it's up to you. The Rebbe's last one final words we heard earlier, that's what it's dependent on. We stand on the shoulders of everything that came before us. The billions and billions of mitzvahs, of sacrifices, of mitzvahs nefesh, people died, are all waiting for this moment. And it's you and me. But not you and me, so you look at me, I look at you. No. You, you, you. We have that power. One of, I believe, one of the most powerful messages that ever told us is that you matter. I, there's seven and a half, eight billion people and counting. Doesn't matter. You matter because God put you here at this time, in this place, in this seven generation, and you absolutely matter. You have the power to tip the scales. Think about it. So every move you make, every step you take, every breath, every encounter, is an opportunity 
for you to do something and maybe that one thing will tip the scale in the words of the Rambam and bring Tshuva personal and global redemption. This isn't a small matter. Now I know some people say this is too heavy. Tell me all kinds of things. I see this as a gift. We were given a gift. We were, number one, we were told why we're here. How many people know why they're here in this earth? And we're told it, it will happen if you do your part. It's empowerment. Such a vote of confidence. And the excuse that I'm nobody has been eliminated. The Rebbe already preempted that. So that's where we are now. At the end of a long, long marathon. Jews have gone through the ovens and the gas chambers and slaughters and pogroms. I don't want to even elaborate. But we know, we all know. And we're now at the last leg of a marathon. A marathon that began from the beginning of history. We were blessed in a generation with a visionary. The Rebbe. That's what a Rebbe is. A visionary who's not caught up in the minutia, in the details, definitely not the pettiness, sees the picture and tells us. That's the gift. Listen to the words. We are the Derashvi. On dos mont menfununs. The seventh generation. To what to finish the job and bring it down below. And there's practical ways. It sounds very esoteric. I'm going to bring the Shekhinah down after all that's gone. There's practical ways. Step by step. Bring that little Aleph into your Gaila, into your reality, into your material reality. And you brought a little ghoul into this world. Each of us have a spark of Mashiach. We don't count. Some can do it more dramatic and reach larger audiences. Some do it with one child. But words from a Rebbe. You and you and you. So now, my friends, the next step is ours. The next step is yours. Because I was staying away from the collective. Yours, mine. What will we do? I have no doubt that the Shivim Shana, seven years, think about it. And especially if you love the Rebbe, you're committed. Think about the Rebbe's vision. And we were charged with a gift, with the responsibility. The awesome responsibility to finish and carry the baton one more step. Cross the threshold of the Geula Amitiz Vashlema as the Rebbe ends the Maimer as we heard earlier. This is one of several programs that we've initiating around the 70th anniversary. There are others for different types of audience, but each one covering different angles. So there'll be another program Tuesday night. I'll be honored to do it together with my brother, Pierce Fitzchok, in Muncie. The details you can find at Chesidah slash Project 70. And then Wednesday night, in lieu of my regular class, is a special program focused on a vision for the 21st century. Become a leader, using the word leader, six letters of leader as an acronym, for six revolutionary principles that can transform your life and the world. And this is just the beginning. We hope to create other programs throughout the 70th year. Above all, focusing on how. What can we do and how can we do it? Obviously, to do so, we need to understand it. If you want to participate in any way, please be in touch with us. We're looking for every type of participation. Because remember, it's you, you and you, it's all of us. Participation including supporting our work, sponsoring, 
these things all cost money, but money is as another material item that we put the aleph and use it for the purpose of Gaula. Another, yet another way. And please stay in touch with us. Thank you very much. This program is brought to you by My Life, Hasidus Applied. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at hasidusapplied.com slash donate.